0: Hi, and welcome to Communicating Climate Change, a podcast dedicated to helping you do exactly that. I'm Dickon, and I'll be your host as we dig deep into the best practices and the worst offences, always looking for ways to help you and me improve our abilities to engage, empower, and ultimately activate audiences on climate-related issues. This episode features a conversation with climate communications expert and business activist Lucy von Sturmer. It was recorded in February, 2023. Lucy is the initiator and chair of Creatives for Climate, a global non-profit turning professionals into change agents through training courses, collaborative projects, and a fast-growing community committing their creativity to driving positive impact. She's also CEO of The Humble Humblebrag, an award-winning climate communications agency working to support business leaders and brands in taking a stand on social, cultural, and environmental issues. Recognized by the University of Auckland as a 40 under 40 changemaker and featured in Forbes as a creative leader to watch, Lucy has over a decade of experience building movements and leading global brands to have a positive impact at scale. In short, she's pretty rad. Amongst other things, Lucy and I talked about theories of change, about divesting talent from polluting industries, and how inevitable personal limitations make radical collaboration a weapon of choice in this space. So, Let's get on with it. This is Communicating Climate Change with Lucy von Sturmer. To get things started, let's talk about creatives for climate. Why don't you give an idea of what that is, what it hopes to achieve, and maybe some of the resources that it offers members of the community?
1: So Creators for Climate started as like a personal exploration um, in response to a demand made by Extinction Rebellion in 2019 for advertisers to use their creativity for good, but to actually realize that this skill set has been used to create the problem, but also could be part of the solution. And so in 2019, there was this like palpable energy. People were on the streets and we mobilized a community of people to come together to act From that kind of grassroots authentic beginning, we have been growing, experimenting over the years for more than three years now. How we have evolved is that we're actually an online collaboration hub that's mostly uh, free and open for people to use. We're figuring out a membership model now, obviously, to sustain ourselves, but also because we want to serve more people in terms of helping them with their career and their professional skills. But essentially like that online collaboration hub was really meant as a place for this kind of new emerging need for communicators to upskill in sustainability and climate communications, but the gap hasn't necessarily been met. And we offer trainings and courses. So one of the kind of landmark courses that we've created is the Greenwash Watch. And I can tell you at the moment, we have a cohort of more than 20 from like really like leading B Corp brands and, um, you know, front-running agencies that offer advisory services in the space as well as universities and academic institutes. It's amazing. But it's almost like our community cohorts turn into sustainability experts anonymous. (laughs) Everybody's saying like, We're terrified of being called out for greenwashing. And I think that kind of speaks to the community and the culture that we're creating is that it's really vulnerable, it's really transparent, we're empowering, but we're also applying our skill set to major brands and major messages and and reaching out. So it's the community, the collaboration hub, it's the courses in the academy. But what we love to do when we get the opportunity is to issue collaborative, creative calls to action in support of major causes. Um, And so we have a legacy. We've done this for over 10 uh, NGOs and, and causes over the last three years. We will basically partner with an entity that has either like a really clear call to action or a need, a genuine need. And we'll work with them to craft a brief. And then we issue it to our community. And actually crafting a brief is a skill. So we are able to bring that talent to help. Okay, how can we excite audience? How can we land this message? How can we make it tangible? How can we make it meaningful? And these are really cool opportunities for the community to test themselves and think like, you know, maybe some people just haven't had the chance to even build their portfolio in this space or they just are desperate for a way to contribute to something with this really tangible skill. Um, But yeah, there's a lot that we do that's really exciting. And for me personally, it's just fun and meaningful to connect with my peers daily in this way. And I think that's kind of true for everyone there.
0: I mean that's why I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> it's been um it's been a rock for me to cling to.
1: Thank you for saying that. It I mean I've got lost in this movement. You know, I'm like it's just the energy's there people it's like oh my god it's truthful my core team or like you know people that have partnered with over the years their lives have changed they've like gone on to do crazy things so I'm I'm happy to hear that but like in a weird way I'm also not surprised because it's just 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 such this need but I really appreciate it
0: From your perspective, how can communication contribute to mitigating the worst effects of climate change in the first place?
1: Interesting framing of the question. The worst effects, right? Acknowledging that we're probably not going to be able to completely change course. I've obviously been thinking about this a lot. And there are some really like... Foolproof steps. So the first one is to divest your talent from promoting high carbon lifestyles, hyper consumption, polluting clients, and the kind of groundswell of energy right now is around fossil fuel clients. So if you are working on a fossil fuel brief um, and you're within a big company, um There are probably others like you that are really uncomfortable about it. So there are initiatives like Clean Creatives and Comms Declare and Badvertising that are like outright calling for that divestment. Um, I think that for many people, like unfortunately doesn't actually excite them because they're feeling like, oh, I have to give up something. I have to push. Maybe they don't identify as an activist. I still think that that's the most important route to take right now, but there's a whole lot that comes after that, right? And so... We have this beautiful skill set and I think that that's sometimes where the messaging in this movement goes wrong is that the individual designer, communicator, copywriter starts to feel guilty and confused because they're actually just trying trying to earn an income with this skill set and the easiest way to earn an income has been advertising. But if we kind of reframe it and think that the solutions to the climate crisis already exist... And we have this beautiful skill set that's been used to persuade people and drive behavior change and all these sorts of things. So isn't there this great challenge where we can start to amplify the narratives that we so badly need? And I think what I've recognized is that yes, people are drawn to that proposition, but they're kind of figuring it out along the way. So like, do I become an independent green, creative entrepreneur? Do I join a good sustainability organization? Do I just volunteer? I think there's like many different ways. I guess the truth is as the problem becomes bigger, the money being funneled in to solve it flows. So there are so many career opportunities for climate communicators to actually use their creativity for good. I think that's where like the challenge of greenwashing comes in, which is something that we've been trying to tackle at Creators for Climate. But I think it's basically as simple as that, stop, Promoting pollution, start identifying opportunities to tell new narratives around inclusion, climate justice, and climate action. And I guess the reality is adaptation.
0: There's often sort of talk about the limitations of communication, one way messaging, the kind of formats that marketing and advertising uh, traditionally prioritize, I suppose, rather than dialogue, community. And so through many conversations I've had with, you know, experts on this from many different fields, oftentimes I come away feeling like, oh, maybe communications as I think about it isn't actually the solution here. And dialogue, that kind of communication, community is closer to where change lies. So as someone who's Run an agency doing one, and run a community doing the other. I wonder if you have any reflections on what's more effective to driving change.
1: Gosh, what's your definition of effective? I think that's where it comes into theories of change. I'll tell you about like a little bit of the theory of change with creators of climate. I want to attract those that want to do good, and then kind of accelerate their knowledge of what doing good means to either. <sighs> Radicalize them into activists, or normalize activism within the ad industry, and, or, or, or connect them directly to these causes to enhance their like personal capacity to drive change within the organizations that they work in, or help them in their careers as purpose economy, you know, impact strategists within the humble brag. I want to work with front running organizations, and typically, like I do, identify them by the CEOs and the leaders. What's their mission? What's the story that they want to tell? And then, you know, how's the organization walking the talk towards that? I want to help them be more personable, cut through the noise, excite people, resonate, get some heart on the table in terms of why they're doing this work and actually like cut through to mainstream media, but also other publics. So I would say like within my theory of change at the Humble brag, it's mission-driven leaders can drive the public agenda by shaping stories through the media and if they can be diverse even better it's really hard to find well-paying super diverse mission driven super ethical company leaders so like that's not always the case and that's why i also have my training programs because what i realized is that sometimes the the kind of mid-career early starter Social entrepreneurial visionaries are are working at a different level, and I want to be able to service them too and, like, bottom up help them um, access that. So, I can't offer them any bespoke uh, representation, but I can expose to them the methodology we use and work with them in groups and cohorts. So, yeah, it's kind of two agendas, and, and they're not so distinct. I just think that I haven't fully brought in the diversity and inclusion and disruptive young new leadership narrative into creators of climate and I think that's okay because it's like evident in how we show up and who shows up
0: from here it seems enviable I'm sure you probably don't think so
1: (laughs) I think my like naive 26 year old self that started doing this thought it was really enviable too there was this meme that came along and by the way I don't identify as a girl boss at all I think that term is toxic but On the girl boss Instagram page, there was this kind of meme of this girl being like, "I girl boss too hard, and now I I got a real job, and actually people are asking me for things, and I don't want to girl boss anymore." I, I kind of feel like, yeah, I wanted to run my own business. I don't want to work for someone else. I want to like own the company, and I want a global diversity, like everything on every level. I've been trying to do everything to the standards that I would want to see in the world. And I guess it's just too much. You can't fight every fight. And I think that's kind of maybe where I've matured is like, okay, where can I play a role? But then you have to let some things go. And that's where theories of change like land you. Like how do you fit into an ecosystem of other players that are working on this? The beautiful thing that I have to practice all the time with Creators for Climate is collaboration with other entities and other players also. I invite so many other people that are doing similar things to come in and shine. And I don't see that behavior, like that new economy principle of collaboration and partnership replicated in the corporate world. And I do think that it's a fundamental value that is needed. Like whether you're an individual business government, you need to collaborate on these issues. And so collaboration is actually a really hard skill to learn. It's not that like, I'm just a really good person and I love to collaborate. I actually think it's a really naive notion of collaboration because it almost infers some sort of moral superiority. Most people are good people and like to collaborate. I think real collaboration from my experience happens when people can identify clearly, this is what we do. This is what we want to seek, but this is what we don't do. And this is where you could be of service. It's actually really hard to have those conversations. But once you can, it's so awesome because like partnerships grow. And so the skill that I've had to learn is to A, make it super specific what role we can play, want to play, but then how we don't go beyond it and where we're creating space for others. Um, And so this notion of radical collaboration for me kind of underpins a lot of the change that I think we need to see
0: so many people in my circles who work in advertising marketing content whatever it may be are desperate for something like creators for climate not only is it gives them kind of inspiration and maybe clarification that they actually have a role to play but also that is a place where they can immediately put those
1: skills to work yeah it's kind of nuts like it's a very generous space in that sense and i think that like you know we have to kind of figure it out as we go along as you know we have goals around getting many 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 more people then moderation curation come in I think what's been amazing so far is that like there's a really clear culture about how people show up um, and it's not extractive I 100% notice it when somebody comes into their community promotes what they do and leaves <laughs> it's fine that's like old behavior totally get it Um, But there are like many, many others that are actually contributing to creating this with us. And that just simply looks like sharing an idea, posting something, asking a question, sharing inspiration. Like it's even just showing up in these really small ways that are re-educating people about what it means to connect and how to connect. The business happens. There are places to showcase what you do. There are places to call for jobs, all that sort of stuff. What I think that people do do realize is that the more that they dive in and just actually participate the more they genuinely get back and like crazy stuff happens the biggest gift they can do for us that is building this is just making that collaboration visible you know I think there's like so many things that kind of happen then in chat rooms and stuff if they can just let us know that's kind of a reward for us we've thought about like oh should we be noting all the projects and the collaborations and it's like no there's just too many and that's beautiful and people know that and it should be fun and, you know, people should, should also be able to show up in whatever way they want, whatever way they have capacity for. So I also just want to like underscore, everyone is welcome. And, you know, we're creating a culture where you're welcome to participate in some places, but it's also, it is, it is a resource, it is a tool and just showing up, you know, brings value for us.
0: from your perspective, is the single most important aspect of communications that people should be paying attention to in outreach work?
1: The clients they represent, the messages they tell, there is like a growing responsibility for communicators to take ownership for that. Um, And I think in the past, maybe people just kind of lent on, I just bring the craft the message is not my responsibility. So I would say that, like, number one, that would be it.
0: Harriet Kingaby, she described a marketers and advertisers as uh, architects of desire, which I think is a nice way of thinking about it in terms of changing what people think they want.
1: And who they are and how they relate to themselves. I remember having this very, like, bored moment in my life as a 13-year-old girl and the only thing to do in my boring suburb was pretend I was older than I was and tried to buy cigarettes. It's a hard story. Or get enough cash to go to the mall and buy something because like the mall and buying was my hobby. And that wasn't my fault. That was the conditions with which I lived in terms of the landscape, the narratives I was buying into in terms of the terrible magazines I was reading. Um, And there are a lot of people like that. This idea that shopping is fun, like shopping sucks. (laughs) Like what? Do you know what? There was really like a moment in my life as a a kind of early 20s woman. And I was like, oh my God, I just, I'm I'm broke all the time. Like how, how can I possibly keep up with my skincare regime, my fashion, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was also at university doing political philosophy for the first time and, like, making these connections. Maybe I've been indoctrinated to think that's how people value it. Like, maybe this isn't a conscious decision. And so one of the first ways I took my power back was unsubscribing from every mailing list. Making the connection between, like, exposure to certain things creates desire and then behaviour. And my kind of reality mindset changed. And from there, it was like, oh, wow, I can filter my experience of the world.
0: One final question, if there's time, what's the biggest mistake that you see communications and advertising professionals make when attempting to engage the public on climate change issues?
1: Well, if I can like reframe the question a little bit towards what's one of the like messages that I think is failing in mobilizing people around the climate would be any sense of superiority around wake up, we're awake, you need to do something. I think if you want to mobilize people, they need to feel like they're invited to be part of the conversation. I think it's actually meeting people where they're at and letting people feel like they're solution holders and that their other concerns are totally valid. And I know where that kind of wake up messaging comes from. It comes from this sense of loneliness that people have on this journey that we need to kind of just attack and the system doesn't work but I actually think that's not a way to engage the majority of people so like from a kind of campaigning point of view I would say that that would be one of the the messages I would reframe and the modes of like engaging people I would change Um, but your original question was actually about like marketing and advertisers I think that, like, climate communications in general, I think if, if, you're, if you're the mouthpiece for, like, a smaller brand or an entity that has a legitimate place, I actually think that we're seeing some smart campaigns. I just think that they're sometimes, like, single-issue focused. And I think that that's where maybe I'm less interested in, like, the tactics of the individual advertising and marketing kind of strand versus the impact message or... Um, You know, some companies have started to appoint advocacy officers. If you really want to be a part of this change, how can you maybe go beyond that consumer narrative to like, here's something we're doing, this is how it sits within a bigger context, or um, this is how we're using our platform to drive change. I think that obviously number one would be like putting any onus on the consumer to solve this, but also misleading them to believe by purchasing your product, you're solving this. There is an interesting role for companies to like think or brands to think about like their authentic kind of license to operate going forward. What is the actual contribution to these bigger issues? And then they can have a theory of change too. Can we maybe communicate about that? Can we partner with other organizations? Um, I think like Dopper is, is a B Corp here. It's really been interesting. They are very much um, using their brand as a vehicle for talking about wider issues, but also like they partnered up with other companies and brands to advocate for like greater policy change in a certain area. That's really exciting. So I think even like going beyond single brand perspective, I mean, it's just boring. It just doesn't resonate with with me. I'm like, okay, cool, you're a product, but like, I'm never gonna buy into your narrative unless I see you behaving in a certain way.
0: It was such a treat to talk to Lucy. And I really can't recommend joining Creatives for Climate enough, no matter what your background is. It's an amazing space to team up with others, learn from experts in many fields, and be part of something genuinely positive, inspiring, and meaningful. I've put a link in the show notes, so take a look. Maybe it's a good fit for you. But what stuck with you from this conversation? What can you take from it and apply to your own work? For me, first and foremost was this idea of not being a know-it-all, or somehow taking a position of better than you in any messaging that I might be responsible for. So staying humble, I guess, or at least remembering to make everything I do inviting. Then there's that signal that cuts through loudest of all at Creatives for Climate, to be constantly vigilant of who or what you're selling your skills to, and to actively step back from work that doesn't align with your values. If you want to hear more about that kind of thing, Check out previous episodes with Harriet Kingaby and Jenny King. Finally, I guess I'm left wondering what my theory of change is. I ought to figure that out and commit it to paper. But how about you? What did you hear? What will you be taking with you into your communications endeavours? What's your theory of change? Thanks to Lucy von Sturmer for sharing her time and energy with the show. It was awesome. You can find links to a bunch of the things that we talked about in the show notes. Thanks also to you for listening to Communicating Climate Change. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts or by subscribing so you never miss out. You can find Communicating Climate Change on LinkedIn too. And if you think the series would be of interest to friends or colleagues, why not point them in the right direction? Remember, each and every episode attempts to add to our toolkits to help us develop the skills and maybe even the support systems that we'll need for this pressing task. In upcoming shows, We'll hear perspectives from the field of disaster communication, from advocates of indigenous knowledge and storytelling, and from practitioners working in the grassroots mobilization space. So be sure to stay tuned for more. For anything else, just head over to communicatingclimatechange.com. Until next time, take care.